Welcome to the With You Podcast, where we explore real relationships and life transitions. I'm David. And I'm Tara. And this season, we're doing a deep dive into the topic of marriage. Yeah, we've been married for 30 years? Yeah, about that. And I'm a marriage and family therapist, so it's a subject that we're especially interested in. Yeah, and so we've been taking a little time away to interview a bunch of married couples from a variety of ages, stages, and backgrounds to hear their stories. Next week, we'll start hearing their stories, but today we're going to kick off the season by talking about our relationship and our ideas about finding a life partner. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> uh, and we, we actually recorded this uh, six months ago when we were just getting our podcast started. So today you'll hear from our friend Claire. Uh, Claire was there at the very beginning helping us get organized and keeping us on track. Uh, we needed help. Um, we <laughs> yeah, wouldn't we have did. gotten started without her. Um, but it turns out she's got a real life. So she couldn't record with us every day. Uh, so enjoy uh, her contribution to our podcast today. Yeah. So here we go. Let's talk about marriage and finding the one. All right. Well, the idea for today's conversation is finding your life partner. Woohoo. Yeah. And Coincidentally, at, we are life partners. Yeah. So it works out pretty well that we figured at least one iteration of this out. So uh, it's going to be kind of wanting to know why this is important, like why picking a spouse or why picking a life partner uh, is important. Um, and Claire, do you have any ideas about that? <laughs> Knew you were going to do this to me. Yeah, we want to welcome Claire. Claire's here with us. And, uh, and so we're going to put her on the spot occasionally, uh, being that she may in the future want to find a life partner, but maybe not. So. <laughs> maybe I've already found one and haven't told you. Oh, well, <laughs> that's a possibility. All right, well, this is a perfect place to let us know about your life partner. <laughs> or is this marketing for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So please call 555-5555, and then ask for Claire. So uh, when we th when we think about life partners, it's for me, it's thinking about partnership. Uh, but then there's what does that look like and how does culture in involve it? And uh, and then other things like I love the developmental side of relationship formation. So I think it might be fun to talk about that, too. Right. Well, and most most songs in this world are about love and finding your person and people talk about finding their soulmate. Oh, I you have a story. You are my density. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good Back to the Future reference. I love it. Yeah. Or the um, Tobey Maguire, you complete me. Right. And the little heart and those jewelry things where there's two half of hearts coming together yeah. as one. That, Princess Bride. Yeah. True makes, love. <laughs> I know as a, as a marriage and family therapist, I know I should probably be more romantic, but those things make me kind of... I don't know, vomit in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, I think when we talk about life partner, we should talk about what we feel about soulmates because that's not how we came at finding each other as yeah. life partners. No, and and soulmates go back a long way. So I, I know we won't. I won't geek out too much on this. I'll just kind of tell a brief story. But uh, in Plato's uh, Symposium, right, he has this character uh, Aristophanes. Kind of giving a giving a speech. I know, isn't we it horrible? Okay, go here, we go, here we go. <laughs> so we should just, have a title when David starts geeking out. On, just yeah, let okay. me nerd okay, out go, go, just go. a little bit. <laughs> Tell us uh, about soulmates. So <laughs> the idea that people were put together. So uh, Aristophanes talks about people being put together. They had two faces, or not people, but these kind of monstrosities. They had two faces, four arms, four legs, and they were uh, cartwheeling. Did we, we just saw Claire do a cartwheel. We did see Claire do a cartwheel <laughs> I yesterday. I couldn't picture that. Was that. Put that on my resume. Yeah, but imagine impressive. doing that with double the amount of limbs that so you have. So what does that have to do with soulmates, David? Help well, us out. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they moved very fast, which I am not doing, but these, these things move very fast, and the Greek god, the Olympic god, uh, gods were really concerned that these things were going to take over them and just overwhelm them. And so Zeus cut them in half and that asked Apollo to kind of like seal up the wounds, but make sure that they faced their wounds so they knew that they were incomplete. And the whole purpose then, rather than storming Olympus, these kind of cut in half 
people now with one face, two arms, two legs were constantly looking for their other half. And there was one specific other half of their uh, existence. And so that was kind of their soulmate or their, that you complete me, all those movie references we just made really comes from this kind of platonic idea of we are, we are incomplete. Platonic meaning Plato. Plato, Yeah. (laughs) The Uh, philosopher. The philosopher. Uh, But that we're incomplete, that we're only half of, what of we a whole should being, be, of right. a whole being. Right. A lot of people think they're going through life in search of the one person who can complete them. And I think we should start from that bigger picture viewpoint of that's not what we're talking about with finding a life partner. At least right. that's not our philosophy. People have different philosophies about finding love, but we'll tell you our, our thoughts and our story of yep. how we found each other and what we were looking for. But we, I don't think either of us came from the perspective that we needed to find the perfect person that would make us complete or that there's just one person out there. <laughs> right. Like if you, you know, do it wrong, you're going to find out the wrong of one. 7 billion people. There's only one for you, Tara. And hey, lucky you found me. Yeah. Of all the millions of people. How did I do that? <laughs> uh, divine providence. <laughs> uh, but it's, but that's, that's one way of thinking. And so you hear these uh, kind of Valentine's day commercials and everything's about, you have to find your other half the implication of that for relationships is then is that single people are incomplete one. Yeah. Single people are incomplete and can't live a flourishing life, which is, um, I see Claire making kind of a strangling motion. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but I think, I think that's exactly right of then it debases individual existence outside of a committed relationship. And that's not necessarily how we see things. Not what we believe about being a human being in the world. And even in relationship, it puts that pressure on like, uh, I need you. Oh, I need you to complete me. Like all my needs, my emotions, you're responsible yeah. for. Any dating relationship, if somebody said that to me, it just it freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you need me that much, I got to run. <laughs> and, and she's a quick runner. She has good, a good first step. She's an Olympic runner. <laughs> she is an Olympic runner. Tor- torch bearer. Torch bearer. As long as you're carrying the torch for me. Oh, See? Yeah. <laughs> So are I we going to cut out, d- are despite we gonna, those things, <laughs> are we going to cut out all the dad jokes? No, uh, no. Okay. That's, I think people are here for the dad jokes. Yeah. Cause otherwise yeah. I'd have a very small part of this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but that kind of sickly sweet idea that in dating that you're looking for someone to complete you, but in, and then in the relationship flourishing really is outside of your control. It's like. I need you to do certain things or I'm not okay. And that's mm-hmm. huge pressure and unrealistic in any type of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of talking about finding our other perfect half, yeah. we'll be focusing more on long-term committed relationships, life partners, spouses. There's a lot of different ways people are getting into long-term commitments these days. Yeah. And I, I think about, I think about those long, long-term commitments of there's kind of a couple of things that go into that of compatibility. I mean, that's one thing, uh, the relationship being bigger than just our individual needs and goodness of fit. I mean, those are the things that I, I think about, but I don't know how much we want to get into those. Well, we will be talking about those things, our, our kind of tips and takeaways for, for what we think are some of the top things to be looking for. Nice. So, but we're going to start telling about sort of ha- how we came about it, I think. Uh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> do we have I think to? I've heard this begin this story. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, we five times are asked about it a lot, but but it's a great but, story. but before we even met at O'Hare Airport. Yeah. What were, you know, what were we looking? Were you looking for a life partner at that point? Uh, <laughs> we no. were in college. I don't think we really were. I, I just, uh, yeah, no, I was looking <laughs> for someone to have fun with <laughs> and you look like a lot of fun, but so, but maybe that's like when, when thinking about dating, if we can, I mean, that's what 40 years ago, can we kind of go back that far? Not quite that long ago. Oh, it just feels, yeah. <laughs> feels like that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Uh, but what feels like forever what when you were dating even before even before you know bd before david (laughs) uh what what were you looking for in uh in a relationship when you thought about relationships yeah i mean i think before you get to the you know the stage where you're looking for someone for a long term 
lifetime commitment. I don't know that I was thinking about what I was looking for. Sometimes it just happens to be proximity and opportunity. (laughs) But also I was discerning. I didn't, I didn't seize every opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) I think I valued, okay. The things that I valued most in the people I want to spend more time with was not taking themselves too seriously. Sense of humor, which is why we're still together. Hey, (laughs) Intelligence, um, kindness, you know, things that make you actually want to hang out with somebody. Yeah. And feel good about them and yourself. Yeah, I think friendship is mm-hmm. a big encompassing of all of that, of looking for someone that likes to do the same things or some of the similar things or can appreciate that. Right. And what were you looking for, David? Uh, well, <laughs> if I'm really honest, my teenage brain and young 20s brain <laughs> was looking for a hottie, which <laughs> I found in you. Um, so there was the physical attraction part, uh, but it was it was about doing life together. So like enjoying doing activities, whether it was cooking in the apartments. I think we learned to cook together. Yeah. And we start out with, I I don't know if we can talk about products, but it was that kind of, I'm just going to say it chicken tonight. I don't think it's even (laughs) produced anymore. Uh, I think you're good. So what else? So, well, so we started dating in college. We did kind of be, we started with French. We really were friends. We're study buddies. Yeah. So we really felt like the, our foundation started with friendship. It did. Because we already liked hanging out together. So that was the, the main foundation was we really enjoyed just hanging around each other. Yeah. And I don't I guess it developed well, from and there. I, and I think it was safety. A, a thing, I don't know if I was looking for that, but being being with you, being able to talk about, talk through things, us disagreeing about things and it being okay. Like we didn't have to see things the same way mm-hmm. to, to continue to be connected. And actually we see things differently on not a lot of topics, but occasionally. And it's mm-hmm. actually good. Like our, our well being doesn't have to be connected to our agreement uh, because there's the trust and respect. And so I think that was, that was the most interesting thing after getting past the physical attraction towards you was the kind of the intellectual curiosity that we were able to do together, the fun we were able to have. Um, but it takes practice. I mean, um, I think kind of our dating lives before each other were figuring those things out. Um, and I, and I think that's important that it's not this like one person or like, I'm going to miss, miss them or the pressure that I think sometimes gets put on dating that finding that partner that you could do life with forever, uh, is a exploratory study. That's a good way to put it. The exploratory study. And I think once we started dating, some things that helped us know that we were compatible bigger than, you know, the other people we had dated. I think very early on when we started this dating relationship, you took me to meet your parents, like just a couple weeks in, yeah. I think. Yeah. You couldn't wait to introduce me to your family, which is in itself, I thought was a great sign. I wanted to see where you came from and that you were excited to introduce me to your parents was a good sign. Yeah. That you know, you felt confident about me that you were excited to have me join your family so that we kind of we started early with thinking about family integration, you know, yeah. not just being part of one person's life, but their whole family. And the and the bigger picture of realizing it wasn't just us getting together, but that it was bringing our families together. And so I think that's a really important piece kind of philosophically, in addition to kind of the takeaways is marriage is about more than just getting your getting your needs gratified right yeah. of i know uh, this is a weird way of talking about it but i think sometimes we can think of the other person as a needs gratifying object and it kind of depersonalized, like you're there for my happiness, you're there for soothing me, you're there for uh, sexual attraction and release, you're there buying for your buying my toothpaste, <laughs> my wardrobe. Making your dinner. Yeah, but that 
but that then that depersonalizes the other as just an object to meet my needs versus another person that we're entering into this for something bigger than mm-hmm. needs being met. And introducing family is part of that. Yeah. I remember when you met my family. Oh, yeah. So- Let's tell that story. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. We were- Claire, just put your finger. We I don't want anybody to hear this. So just put your fingers in your ears. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No. <laughs> no all ears. We were seniors in college. And he had taken me to meet his family in September because we really started dating at the beginning of our senior year. Mm-hmm. And I, my family lived in Arizona. So the first opportunity was spring break in March. So I brought David back with me to Arizona. And these were back in the days when your family could be waiting for you right outside the the gate. Gateway of, or yeah, gangplank. Right or... when you open the plane door, basically, they're right there. So... My four younger siblings and both my parents were waiting right at the end of the gate. And David ran up, wrapped my dad in a bear hug, and picked him up off the ground. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you have to understand, Tara's dad is a, a lieutenant colonel in the army, and is a very is like a competitive runner and just kind of an amazing man. That's manly so personality wise you're an extrovert he's an introvert yep. you're taller he's shorter you're effusive he keeps things closer to the vest i like to hug he likes so, to shake hands <laughs> yeah wow. david's families are huggers my family was not didn't express things quite as effusively in those days i think they've grown since yeah then, but. they were standing there and since we were we were in our early 20s and tara's the oldest so there's four other kids there there's tara and she's the tallest and they all kind of go down like uh i don't even think i was tre- the tallest then but i was the oldest it, to me coming off the plane it looked that way it looked like yeah. the von trop family <laughs> standing there and they're all kind of height working down and so and he gave my dad such a big hug that he literally his feet came off the floor dangling and, like and there was this david still remembers this gasp and a silence from the rest of us while we yeah. watched to see what was going to happen. Six but my people di- going. my dad started <gasps> giggling and they were good friends ever since. <laughs> we were good friends, but he put me through my paces. Then. Oh, he did test you. Yeah, we went for, he took me for a bike ride and uh, it's in the Arizona desert and Tara and her brother were riding with us and then they just kind of peeled off and disappeared and it was just me and Dr. Barnett. Uh, riding bikes out into the desert. And I was like, oh, this is how I die. I'm left in the desert. <laughs> this is hazy. <laughs> death. Yes. And uh, I believe the conversation was something along, what What are your intentions for my daughter as we're riding in, you know, 100 degree heat? And we've heat. been dating for maybe six months. Yeah. And we I w- college student. I couldn't tell if I was sweating from the conversation or for the exertion or from the it. heat. Yeah. And it was a 14 mile bike ride. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you is right. We got back and I was emotionally sore as well as saddle sore. Um, and I was like, where did you guys go? And Charles like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I still to this day don't remember that that, that that happened, that Craig and I left you. Yeah, you just blacked right out. I don't know if that was prearranged. I, it or... felt like it was prearranged. But yeah, then, dad got that... his alone time with you and you must have passed the test. Yeah, because now we this will be our 30th year of marriage. And so uh, we've we've managed to survive. And But something that was beautiful about your family and meeting your dad was then after that meeting, um, as we were leaving, you weren't you didn't get to see this. He gave me a letter uh, and said, read that when you get back to college. So got back to college and it was like, uh, David, uh, you know, d- however you want to proceed with my daughter, you have my blessing. Oh, he didn't answer you on the spot. Oh, oh no. no. And no. I was, we were just dating. So we had, didn't have. We hadn't declared any long-term intentions. I don't think we, even to each other. No, <laughs> or to ourselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it was just kind of like, But oh. my dad was and very that was intentional first, that yeah. way. That was part of who he was. And he, when he married my mom, they didn't have. He didn't even get to meet my my mom's parents before their wedding day. Yeah. And he was very unsure if he was accepted and he wanted to make it very clear to you that you were that yeah. you had his blessing. Well, and and so that's the beautiful side and and the idea of it's long term, it's a family commitment. Tara's time with my family, we went to a, a show, and uh, my brother was 16 years old. Oh, the story. <laughs> yeah, we're driving out we're of driving the parking away. lot. We went to the symphony, I think, and we were leaving. We were all dressed up very fancy, and it was Nathan's first time meeting this 
like a serious, a serious girlfriend, girlfriend that he brought yep. home. And he was trying to be on his best behavior the whole night. And, and we're in the parking. Tell, I'm we're sorry, in the par- Nathan, but we're going to. No, I'm not sorry, Nathan. You shouldn't have done this. <laughs> but uh, so we, <laughs> we're in the parking garage. And he's like, stop the car. And he gets out and kind of walks. And dad then car- continues to drive. He was walking alongside was walking. the moving car and then got back in. And I was like, well, what was happening? And he was he was needing to pass gas. And he, <laughs> and he didn't want to ruin it for David by doing it in the car by oh, me. So, so that, that let was... me know that then the family was interested because that usually didn't happen. It would be just like, hey, somebody rolled down the window. Yeah. And so th- that was like, oh, they really yeah. liked her. And then as we as we continued to date, <laughs> as we continued to date. We would uh, we would hear from our families not just the support of like we're we're interested in Tara, but my my parents said if you break up with her, we're keeping her. <laughs> Independently, both of our families said that yeah. to us. They they said we'll we'll be on David's side if you break up. With him. <laughs> Did that put pressure on you guys? Yeah, I think it was when they knew we were already moving in the the forever direction. Yeah, but I do think. But I mean, it was that's... also. That's uh, a really good question because yeah. I think that can be the downside of introducing your significant other to family is they can, you know, how invested do they get your relationship with your family? Like, do you, you know, are you a like more of a, a antagonist like me? So if they really like her, well, then nah, I don't know if I like her then. <laughs> uh, there can be a lot of that. So needing to have kind of some sense of security in the in the relationship before getting feedback from friends um, and thinking about thinking about the relationship not as oh we enter in and there's this intensity and we're all in but it's a developmental growth and so we're hopefully our emotional connection our physical connection our spiritual connection uh, our time together is going to be congruent or kind of lined up i think one thing that happens that's a problem for couples that are trying to figure out finding a dating pattern is those get skewed so it's it's really hard when maybe you're really emotionally connected but not physically connected or really physically connected and not emotionally or spiritually connected ideally you'd want that those four things to line up in the same level of connection and intimacy as you work towards a commitment in relationship yeah um but it's a good point i think it's interesting that in in our relationship and in a lot of our family members relationships there's been a period of long distance in their you know pre engagement or marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to see how that physical separation has kind of increased a different type of intimacy in, you know, writing letters and having yeah. phone calls and when it, you know, it was letters in our day. Yeah. So for the kids and, out there, what is a letter, Tara? <laughs> a piece of paper. And, <laughs> well, a and it was an air paper. And for it, us. Yeah. Well, I was in Australia after yeah. we graduated for the summer. So the post office actual, had very special like blue paper air that would letters. be airmail letters. So you'd write on this kind of thin airmail so letter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we are, we are so things. extra vintage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to find one and take a picture of it and show. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, having communication. Show it on the podcast. Yeah, uh, on Put it in the, the show notes. Isn't there? Yeah, or Instagram or some you know Insta book or Facegram, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> they'll be emphasis on the vintage. Yeah, yeah, I am totally vintage. But that right, being able to communicate in ways that aren't just that aren't physical. Just physical. Yeah, or aren't clouded space. by the physical, mm-hmm. help you develop the intimacy in other ways. Yeah, is a it's a really. I mean, we're not saying yeah, live apart for a long time. So yeah, that for you me, honestly, your... that long distance period was sort of a a test or like a. Hey, it wait, helped what? me. It helped me determine just how what your level of commitment was because I was far away across the ocean and we weren't engaged yet, and you had to work extra hard to communicate and. He managed yeah. to send flowers to me all the way from because wow. I had my from Grand my Haven, Michigan birthday. to Melbourne, my Australia. In Australia, and yeah. flowers arrived, and you called my grand. I was staying with my grandparents, and you you called long distance. Yeah, that was my whole paycheck yeah. from the trolley that week. <laughs> I drove a trolley and the gave trolley? tours. Yeah, ding ding ding. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I and I ended up talking to your granddad and Grandy more than I did you on that right. call. 
I was right. like, um, can I talk to Tarek? And I probably only have like five more minutes I can afford. But we we connected that way. And I think I think for couples, how do you connect in multiple different ways or in people exploring whether they're going to be a couple that you don't get clouded? And I think that's kind of neurologically, that's that reactivity of can we be intentional? Can we feel and be intentional rather than just being reactive? And the space helped us do that. Um, there's other probably ways that people can, can I'm do sorry, that. I'm laughing because it just occurred to me that that is the first and the last time you sent me flowers. <laughs> no, no, no. Whoa. Well, sent you, you, sent, you, you, sent I mean, you flowers. So let me just say, we have an agreement that that's okay with me. I'm fine with buying my own flowers. His dad was the funeral director and flowers were for other for death. <laughs> for so death. let me let me explain okay, okay. my feeling about flowers. So what a horrible horrible metaphor for love because it's something that is temporal that after like 2 days dies. What kind of metaphor is that of like I'm going to give you something but it's going to die right away and that's my love. <laughs> he told me his feelings about that very early on. So totally informed consent. That's why it was this, a very big gesture when they arrived. And we would internationally. We would explore <laughs> finding like, I'm breaking up with you. Here's flowers that will just like our love. Our love is slowly dying. Like my love for you. This is just slowly fading away. Okay, this is going dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I did give you flowers other times. It just was that they were out of people's gardens. <laughs> yes, you might not want to admit that. I'm also kind of um You don't want to spend financially money. yeah <laughs> cautious or Dutch. You're trying to, I'm I know, trying to avoid, trying saying, to avoid Dutch, saying Dutch, but I, okay. you know, Van Dyke, that's, a, and so I would just kind of find flowers in the church garden or neighbor's garden. And I would bring, I would bring flowers that way to Tara. <laughs> well, growing up being in the funeral home, we would bring flowers to mom, but it would just be leftovers from the service. <laughs> So we would gather together and make a nice bouquet and give it to mom. So I, I, yeah, I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues. I have to work through around flowers. Still. Apparently a trigger. Yeah. Sorry. So where were we going with that? Back to, back to finding your about, life partner. Right. And finding different ways to communicate and, and the intimacy that grows in different domains at the same pace. I think that's, you know, that was a really good point because you can be too heavy in one area and miss out on intimacy in, in other ways. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that time apart kind of helped us even things out and decide what was important and that we did want to be back together. Yeah, and and that then built on how are we going to do things together? So the longer term, so the dating part, that was really part of important piece of making sure we were on the same page and we were connected for the right reasons and having a bigger perspective. I think that's, that's the thing that's central to what's made our relationship last. So it started out at the beginning of, oh, are we, we're attracted to each other. We care about each other, but oftentimes that's not enough. Right. right. That the feelings fade or they change or you have challenges that come. And so what's the what's the bigger thing? And so we often ask our kids, we often, you know, we've asked Claire, <laughs> anybody, any single people that we have in our lives of just like, well, what's what's the reason to have a relationship? Uh, is it just to meet your needs? And is are there other ways to do that? Or is there something bigger? And well, that's... And, OK, to, to throw another quote in there, the Beatles song, love is all you need, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's another thing that we you're saying it isn't enough just to have feelings. And, and we also believe that love isn't just a feeling that love's a choice yeah. that you make every day. It loves like an action and a choice. And so in choosing someone to hitch your whole life to, it's a big decision to choose to love that person. Not just that big, you know, heady day of your wedding day, but like every day. Yeah. So I think that's a perspective we came from that we were really lucky enough to gain from both of our sets of parents who mm -hmm. had that kind of relationship and had that perspective on, on marriage as a choice and as a sacrifice, even more than just, what do I get out of this? Yeah. And, and, the, and you talk to people, there's a lot of literature about marriages that last uh, relationships that last are about those bigger things. For us, it's grounded in our faith 
of uh, I like to think about, and I'm so thankful that you see interacting with me as an act of your spiritual life, as your relationship with God, uh, because I'm so glad you don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. Uh, But that's the same way of, uh, so if we have a relationship that's bigger than us, Mm -hmm. that then informs why we're going to stick through the difficult times or when we hurt each other or do things that are difficult, how we repair that having something bigger than just the other frees you up to respond differently. Exactly. I think that, I mean, that leads into what I was thinking of for just kind of a list of what we think might be helpful for other people who kind of want that long-term committed lifetime relationship. Yeah. Starting with shared values, I think is the major foundation. It doesn't mean you can't live with somebody who has different views. We definitely have different views, but it's really helpful to have the same foundation and the same bigger picture of what marriage is or what, you know, what you're hooked into as your bigger purpose and your Mm -hmm. bigger, I think shared purpose too, we really believe is helpful. Yeah. And, and part of that shared purpose is finding humor together and with each other. Yeah. It's one of our shared values, but, but I'm even thinking deeper and, you know, our faith is our biggest foundational value Mm -hmm. that gives us our whole reason for why, how we make our big choices in life and why we do what we do, how we raise our children, why we choose to love each other, what we think about marriage, all the big things Yeah, we kind of are ascribed to the same faith set of values that helps a lot that does and it and that feeds so there's i think there's two parts of shared there's the big kind of picture in terms of values and beliefs and then there's this the smaller shared values like sense of humor and sense of humor and activities together so like finding uh, for a lot of couples uh, that have kids that becomes a shared value or shared focus is parenting and raising the kids, whether it's the financial side, the emotional side, that both partners invest in the kids and that's what they unite over. You need more than that because kids leave. Right. And and that doesn't foster a lasting kind of connection. Uh, and so what what is that? So humor for us, kayaking. Doing, yeah, I don't know. Kayaking is a value. It's not a value, <laughs> but it's a shared, it's a shared, shared activity. activity. Shared so activity. thinking about thinking about that. Yeah. But the things that you find important when they're shared, that's really helpful. And I mean, that's where we started coming from. We met going on a summer mission trip with the same faith-based organization. So that was a good foundation. And then we developed friendship. Mm -hmm. So we really, long-term relationships don't have to start with friendship, but it's really great to love to just hang out with the person that you're married to. You're really friends at the base of it. Yeah. Because romantic feelings and love take huge, big ups and downs. And in the downs, it can feel like it's not worth it if you don't have a shared friendship. So we think that's a really good core thing to look for mm-hmm. in someone you're going to hook your life to. Feeling like, I mean, I do feel like after all these years and all the friends we have, we're the best of friends. Yep. I it's, like also, it's also pretty countercultural right now. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, I don't know, a lot of media things that are put out there is that it's mostly just that initial attraction. Right. We love that rush of romantic love and attraction, but those things don't notice. We haven't even gotten farther down in our list. I don't think there's one thing on my list that has to do with physical attraction because when I asked some of my friends, Hey, wait wait a second. I'm just saying it's a bonus. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm looking at the sheet here. It's like, Hmm, not one of the top things. When I asked some people, what are, you know, what are you looking for in, in, you know, somebody you want to date? And their first five things are, you know, tall, dark, dark, handsome, you know, I like, well, those things all may change. Those things aren't the lasting Mm -hmm. things. Those are a great bonus, Hmm. but they're not on the top of my list. Yeah. And I don't think that's helpful for them to be on the top of anyone's list because it's not what leads to somebody being, you know, a a good long-term life partner. It's, Finding a life partner is like a, a business partner, sort of, in a way. Like, you're going to have a shared purpose for the rest of your life, ultimately, yeah. hopefully. So, you know, I wouldn't want to go into business with somebody just because they they look pretty. I want them to have really strong values and strong core that kind of fits with my same purpose and where I'm headed. Otherwise, it's just going to be a lot of 
But I think that's a that's an important kind of value, shared value belief is that this is a long-term life mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, so, that was one of my points is what what did they see about long-term commitment? Yeah. Because I learned that about you, you know, meeting your family and seeing that your parents have a long-term commitment. You, you know, like I tend to be the person who keep, keeps a car until it goes into the ground. I'm a long-term commitment girl. <laughs> I appreciate that about you because I need my tires rotated and oil changed right now and you're still with me. (laughs) Yeah. So having a shared idea about what is a long-term commitment or what is marriage. Yeah. Or that that's what we're looking for in terms of dating friendship is this is the outcome. This is the big thing of this. Oh, this is forever. I mean, I remember when we were newly married of you, you know. Before that, we had our own apartments. You wake up and you're like, oh, you're still here. This is going to be every day. When we were first married. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This means every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you have to hash things out. But that makes it, that makes then the ability to do the relational repair easier because there's not an escape. I think without that big picture, escapes are way too easy. Um, and relationships are way too temporary because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, since it gets hard, right? I don't like this, or uh, I, you know, three out of four things I'm not happy with, but I can find someone that has all four things. And so the commitment isn't to something bigger than yourself, like longevity or doing it because of faith. It ends up being, I can find the the perfect fit or the better fit. And we leave, we leave the relationship when it gets hard or we leave the relationship when it's not quite what we expect. And it can change, right? I mean, some of the old vintage vows uh, of for, for good or for bad. How does it go again? For better or for worse. For better or for worse. For, <laughs> for richer or uh, for poorer. For in sickness and Repeat in health. after me. Okay. <laughs> Wow, Thank it feels you, like we're getting married I again. Know. <laughs> right? I still <laughs> would say yes. Surprise vow renewal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Surprise. Claire just got ordained on the internet <laughs> this morning. Uh, so, but but that it's not conditional on things going well or things going poorly. However, like disclaimer, some sometimes there are reasons that Granted. are there are deal breakers. Yeah, where you need to end the relationship. You need to get out. We're not saying every relationship that starts out as an intentional lifetime lifelong commitment needs to stay that way right and there's there's lots of that and maybe we can talk about that's a whole other podcast yeah another time when there you need you need safety i mean that goes back to the first part of it of safety for that long-term commitment and if safety is not there it's hard to continue on that process yeah. um yeah well safety and trust are huge on our list as well yeah. For what makes it, and that goes with, to me, that goes with friendship. I'm not going to be, you know, best of friends with somebody I don't trust. Yeah. And so trust is obviously foundational to a good relationship and safety. Um, I, I added too to our list um, does the person love you the way you are? Which is, you know, obviously we all want to be loved just how we are, but also not want you to just stay that way. Yeah. Encourage your growth. Yeah. And support support your interests and and it doesn't always have to be the same interests. Like I I will never want to go see another birth happen in my whole entire <laughs> life. And you just got back from a birth, yeah. Uh, and that gives you joy coming alongside people. And you'll never skydive with me. No, no. I've gone skydiving with no. all of our children. I will wait to see and whether you bounce or land you, softly, but I'm not going up in the plane. The first... You're the only one that didn't go. Yeah. Hey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> He did I don't. Off. I don't believe you were in this conversation. <laughs> You're right, and I wouldn't go either. So <laughs> you did offer one time because you I thought did, that that I would be an sweating. act of love. Yep. And watching you even say that you would come with me, I released you instantly. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't come. Yeah, it was that was an act of love on your part too, because it's like, well, this is going to be a I sacrifice. I don't need you to come and do this to no. to prove that you you want to be with me. No, <laughs> this can be my thing. <laughs> we, but it's it's encouraging those type of things and and it it comes out of trust and i mean we we we're pretty compatible so when you look at kind of goodness of fit uh between people dating in a relationship do you want that compatibility we're compatible on everything but geographical location we're geographically incompatible (laughs) 
<laughs> and yet, because of other things, that's a that's a kind of commitment you've made to live in the Midwest where there's slate great skies. And I tell David almost every day of February, I'm only here because I love you. <laughs> when it's below zero and I haven't seen the sun for a month. Yeah. And so when our kids were dating, it was asking them, uh, is this person building you up? Are they encouraging you to grow as well as appreciating you for where you are right now? And it being it being recursive, mutual. it's going both ways. Mutual, right. that's a better word. Right. Uh, being mutual and being back and forth that it, it's it's a balance. Right. Between give and take. Yeah. Ivan Basar Meninaj contextual family therapy. I just love citations. Okay, so. go, go ahead. No, that was it. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll what throw other, that in there. What <laughs> other <laughs> or what other things uh, should people be looking for? I mean, this kind of is along the same lines, but that the person honors and respects you for what's important to you. Yeah. Including, you know, your family, your friends, they're not cutting you off from the things that are important to you. But that That's doesn't huge. mean just going with everything, like not agreeing, uh, just agreeing with everything. Oh, no. So honoring doesn't mean, oh, I just have to be walked walked over. None at all. So how would you? Yeah, show me an example. You show yeah, me an example. Oh, man, that was <laughs> too slow. I saw what you were doing there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I want to I go to, I want to do the conflict part. Oh, yeah. That was, was that the next one on my yeah, list? Yeah, that was the next list How well part. do they do conflict? I mean, that's huge. How well do you how do you handle it when you disagree about something? Yeah, so if you're in a if you're in a relationship and you know, I wanted to ask I always ask our kids how are things going? What happens when you disagree or when you hurt each other? How how do you have a repair? And some of them go, "Oh, we've never really disagreed or fought." It's like, "Well, then that worries me because there might be this idea of honoring, but it's it's compromising without having any core." Uh, of you can feel differently like we feel differently about geography and weather mm -hmm. i like slate gray skies you like this thing called sunshine i don't understand <laughs> it and we can be playful about it we can be serious about the difference how do we appreciate that of like when it's february encouraging you to go to someplace sunny mm -hmm. and supporting that where that's honoring and not saying well this is how i feel about it to honor me you just so have you to be suffer like me and suffer yeah. <laughs> yeah but that that idea of conflict of being able to stay on task to be able to talk about passionately the differences that you have either finding some compromise but not then how do we live with the tension in honoring ways of holding two different views. I think we see that in relationships all the time, whether it's like current culture, mask, not mask. Uh, how do people navigate that? And do we all have to see the things the same way or else we just break relationship? Mm -hmm. um, that conflict part is really important. So I think as you're looking for a relationship, practice fighting, uh, practice uh, repair. Yeah. I mean, because fighting a, isn't a sign that the relationship isn't doing well. It's how do you come no. back and resolve that yeah. and, and care for each other. And, and there's always compromise sometimes yep. that one or the other has to make and, and honoring that compromise and the one who, you know, changed their plans <laughs> and lived in the Midwest. <laughs> Fair enough. Our, our, I think our first disagreement was about who was going to stand up in our wedding. I mean, I think we probably had small disagreements when we were dating, but not really our first fight that I feel like we didn't end up seeing eye to eye yeah. was about who was going to be yeah, your this best is, man. This is making up for my story about Nathan. I'm not going to stand up for yeah. him. I see. I yeah. see. Well, I have one sister and he has one brother. So I thought clear, clearly that's who's our, you know, the best man in the, what's yeah. it called? Your best, Groomsman. best girl. Best man and best, best <laughs> and, uh, woman, I yeah, believe it is. Yeah, and your brother was young, so you, you thought he, he probably wouldn't be able to, yeah, to keep we, the responsibility. Anyway, we didn't have for that whatever relationship reasons, and, yes, yeah. yes, you, you stuck I, I to felt, your guns, and I still felt it. strongly on the other side. Yeah, and we were able to. It was to our first big disagreement, but. Navigate that, <laughs> and now you say, I told you so, and I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you were right. I'll, I'll confess on. No disrespect Public. to Andy. He was a great best man. He's yeah, and still a good friend. <laughs> but uh, I probably should have gone with my little well. It doesn't baby mean brother. it doesn't mean that that was the right thing. It was just our first. It was our first thing that we didn't come down on. Just, yeah. yeah, on the same page for bigger things. 
we had to make some huge life decisions that we didn't always feel the same about when we were making those choices. We came to have sort of a pattern of how we decided on those things. We'd kind of talk about it, like choosing where to go to grad school or some of the big things. We'd talk about it and then we would take a week or two apart and pray about it separately, talk to friends who we trusted whatever without talking about it and then we'd have a dinner date say okay what did you come up with and what did you and um i think a hundred percent of the time we came back after those two weeks we were on the same page yeah or we would just defer making a decision unless it had to be made and then if we were in disagreement and it had to be made it was who had more who had more either responsibility skill set right because when we left california yeah I cried all the way, <laughs> but it was important because you were moving to your first big job on your way to your PhD program. Yeah. So one other, one other example of us disagreeing and, and repairing, I think it goes to, we can't, we can't be afraid to have the rupture. I think a lot of times people live where we try to avoid the disagreements or kind of that conflict avoidant. And it was, we, I forget even what we were having a disagreement about, but you remember this when I gave you my therapist voice of, so, oh, so honey, that what, was I, very what I hear on. you saying is, and holy cow was that the wrong thing to say and it wasn't it wasn't the wrong thing to say because i wasn't being it wasn't the wrong words it was it was you i was doing something to you you know you were in your 20s trying on your new skills that you were learning as a new therapist so it was i totally understand but it was not david it was a whole different voice it was a whole different (laughs) language and i didn't respond well i didn't want to talk to therapist david i wanted my husband david and so yeah and then i believe that was the only time you tried that yeah and then i believe my response was i'm sorry david's not here right now please leave a message at the beep and i'll get back to you that was in your head your face was very blank because well that's what was happening in my head yeah because i didn't i was learning a new skill set i didn't know how to be other than as a clinician and not Mm-hmm. myself. But I think that also comes out of, oh, I wanted to fix things and not necessarily be in the be in the Just difficult listen. time mm-hmm. and then work on a repair. So I think for the, the takeaway there, that was a, a lot of stories. The takeaway is don't be afraid of kind of relational rupture or relational difficulties. The repair is the more important part. It's not the absence of problems, but it's how we how we go about finding mm-hmm. ways to live together in that that yeah, can be rich nobody's gonna live together for a lifetime and not have some conflict <laughs> no and even even having projects right we had kids as projects now we have this as a project to do together mm-hmm. this is the way we're keeping our marriage strong That's right thanks claire yeah thanks for <laughs> thanks for supporting our marriage with this Anytime. podcast yeah and speaking of somebody else in the room i think another thing we value a lot is input from the people closest to us we tell our kids that too. well we didn't have to tell our kids that when they you know find their significant other they they have gone out of their way to introduce them to their family and their closest friends to just get not asking for permission but looking for input does this person seem like a good match for me and and because the people who know you best can see things in a from a different angle sometimes yep so can might might be able to point out some red flags or things you haven't noticed or you've sort of just decided not to notice So I think that's important. We all come with all of those relationships as part of making up who we are. And we're not separate from that. Yep. And how well do do they fit together? I think think that we want to kind of wrap up here and talk a little bit about where – where do we find those people? Yeah, where do life? I find where like, do you find people? So, uh, well, things so I'll give you a changed. couple of addresses that you can find these people. <laughs> like, no. Not creepy. Again. No, not creepy. Most of the young couples I work with, because I, I ask people when I'm working with them in a birth, and hey, where'd you guys meet? And most of the stories now, people are finding each other online because it's it's harder to have, I guess, activities and you know college classes. And when you're beyond college, it gets harder to find people and shared activities, but we're all about getting out there and doing things that you enjoy to find like-minded people. Um, you know, it, often it, that's how it happened for us. It's how it's happened for a lot of people that are friends of ours, yep. um, doing shared activities so that you already sort of have that foundation of this is what I love to do. Yeah. And I think exploring of that 
removing the pressure of I have to find that one to, okay, let's let's go out and get to know each other as friends. I think at the college that we went to undergrad, there was this weird pressure of you have to find that person and you have to find it within this time frame yeah. or you'll never be around another person that's with marriage potential. Uh, and that pressure is horrible. Yeah, that doesn't help. And so being able to go out, try differently, and it'll vary. Like you might find that friend at the very first date, or it might be you're a serial dater and it takes a while because... To me, it's sort of like finding a job. You know, we've watched our kids go through this process where you're finding jobs in different ways. And sure, you can find them online, but online it's just harder to know who that person is. And it's more chance of finding a real shared interest when there's personal connections. You're getting introduced to somebody by somebody who knows them. And so the more you kind of get out and hang out with people, the more of those shared connections will happen. And in groups, it's always good group dates. I always, I believe in that too. I think you learn a lot more about a person when you see how they interact with a bigger group of people rather than just one-on-one dates all the time, because you're on your best behavior and it's, Mm -hmm. you, you don't see the interaction with other people. So I think it's helpful to spend the first part of your dating life in group activities and just learn more about who they really are. And I think I want to, this is the place I want to add the caution. If you're in a relationship where the person is removing you from your friends, your family, there's like, it's only me. That's a, that's a danger sign. Uh, So that's not necessarily a flourishing relationship. Um, And I think sometimes we're talking about friendship and it can kind of be isolating. There's a danger to that. I I like the group dating because of the information, but there's, there should be space for you and I, even after 30 years of marriage to have friendships that then are involved and speak into our relationship versus I just need you all the time. Just you, honey. I mean, there's a, there's a creepiness. And if you're not careful, that can that can get to a place where there's isolation and yeah, dependency. Yeah, on bottom the other. line is if you feel like there's red flags, you should pay attention to that. Yeah. And talk about it with someone, whether yeah. it's a therapist, a spiritual leader, a friend, um, but don't, don't just dwell in isolation in that relationship. Yeah. That's a really good point. And so uh, I think we're going to wrap up for today. We hope that uh, you have some ideas about how to find that uh, forever friend and flourishing. (laughs) What's another F word? Uh, (laughs) Flourishing. Don't ask me. Yeah, no. uh, Flourishing relationship. And that it's, but it's not where you get completed. It's where you're able to kind of flourish together and and mutually challenge each other to grow. Uh, So, I hope you have a good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you are. And whenever you're listening to this, uh, follow us, click on the button. If there's a, <laughs> is there a button somewhere? <laughs> click on a button, find where all your good podcasts are vintage. located. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, call the radio station and tell them you like us <laughs> and you want us to stay on the air. And uh, we will talk with you soon.